Heads up, because you, you are, are in the Hoodwood. I'm the Black Bandit, KJ Green, welcome you to another edition of Sports from the Hoodwood. Coming up in this edition, is the Pac-12 really real? You know they're going out of existence. Examine the case of ranked teams in the top top five. The WNBA, it's critical mass. Are the Aces and Liberty headed for a WNBA final showdown? Have the NFL no green? This week, a little bit of shorter edition this week. So, pardon, pardon the dust and pardon the uh, the shortness of it. But let's just get to it. If you want to send me a line, of course you can drop me a line at KJ Green and SportsmanHoodwood.com. It's because people were complaining. Why couldn't they read Snuffy's board? Oh, we'll work on that. No, a bunch of other stuff. But I will let you know how you can get a hold of the show at the end of the show. Let's lead off with the Pac-12. And for a conference that's going to be going by the wayside come June 30th, 2024, the Pac-12 is bound and determined to go out with a bang and not a whimper. You have of the... How many teams in the Pac-12? Yeah, there are 12 teams. I'm like, is that 12, 14? No, the 12 teams of the Pac-12, two-thirds of the conference is ranked in the AP 12, Top 25. You have USC, who's in the Top 5. They're also in the Hoodwood High 5, foreshadowing. And you also have Washington, Oregon, Utah, Oregon State, Colorado, Washington State, and UCLA, all in the AP Top 25. All of these teams are unbeaten. This is no joke, people. The Pac-12 is just determined if they're going to go out, they're going to make serve notice to the Big Ten and the Big 12. Hey, they're going to have some tough teams coming on board coming up here soon. Now, of course, the ranks are going to thin out some because Colorado and Oregon are headed for a clash this Saturday in Eugene. Now, Oregon is a good team, a legit good good team. They've been good for, for a number of years. Colorado, kind of new to the game. They've won three times as many games this year as they did last year, which ain't saying much because they only won one game last year. But Deion Sanders has the whole state of Colorado a buzz, if not the entire nation. And everybody's waiting. Oh, uh, Colorado's not that good. They're going to fall. They're going to get, you know, first it was they're going to get their comeuppance against TCU. You know, oh, it's going to be good until TCU slugs maximum mouth. Then TCU get, went down in Fort Worth. Oh, Nebraska's going to get show them what a real team is. Nebraska ain't been good in how long, but it was supposed to be a traditional rival. Then they go down too. Then it was, okay, 
Deion Sanders ran his mouth about Colorado State. But it's really the other way around. Jay Norvell of Colorado State talked big about, well, if I interview with people, I, I take my hat and my sunglasses off. Which is funny because a few times I've seen Jay Norvell be interviewed and he's had that sun visor on. Make it make sense. But Colorado and Colorado State played an epic game in Boulder last Saturday. Game went overtime. After Shadour Sanders drove the bus 98 yards in two and a half minutes to tie the game. And then after both school, uh, both teams scored in overtime, Colorado scored again and held off Colorado State. And like I said, an absolutely fantastic game. That's one of those games that are more serving notice that, hey, Colorado may be a for real team. Say what you want about Deion Sanders, that he that he's um, always looking for the cameras, that he's always, you know, talking so much. But the Buffs have played really, really well under his stewardship of the first three games. He is proving time and again that he is a legit coach. Now, the biggest test is going to be on the road, in conference, in a nasty arts and zoo. That is not going to be a nice place to play. 3.30 kickoff Eastern on ABC, another nationally televised game. And it just seems like that you have the media who is either on the side hyping up Deion Sanders. Yeah, this is a great team. This is a great coach. Or the ones that are wet, wet, wanting him to fall. Those who want him to get his comeuppance. Because most people didn't think Deion Sanders was going to make the jump to a Power 5 school and make them as good as fat. And a lot of people don't believe the hype that he's going to continue to keep the buffs this good. Now, like I said, there are some real tests on the horizon. Oregon, we've already talked about. USC is on the horizon, too. Now, that's going to be a real test for the Bucks. Can they pass either one, if not both? I think that if they split the two games, that is still going to keep the legitimacy of Colorado high in the minds of voters. They are fast rising the polls. Can they make a run to the national playoff? Now, 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 easy now. We're not going to get that hype. Not that soon. But if Colorado continues to win, I don't know. But look at the Pac-12 as a whole. USC, we already knew, was legitimate. Oregon, we were kind of saying, you know what? That's going to be a decent team. Let's see what they're going to do. But it's teams like UCLA, Oregon State, Utah. Okay, Utah was another team that... They went to the Rose Bowl last year. So you've got three teams, USC, Oregon, and Utah. Legitimately good teams. Washington, another good team. So you got four of those eight teams that you're going, okay, decent enough. But you knew they were all jumping to other conferences with USC, Oregon, and Washington going to the Big Ten next year. And Utah going to the, to the uh, Big 12. But it's these other teams. Your Oregon States, your aforementioned Colorados. Washington State, UCLA, what if, are they still in this league? Are they any good? But it, it's weird to see these teams legitimately jump up up and take a place among the power elite. This, of course, annoys the SEC who thinks they should have 10 spots in the, in the top 25 just by birthright. It annoys teams like Notre Dame that think we should be in the top five but for USC. It annoys teams in the Big Ten who are seeing these four teams and going, are these teams we're going to have to deal with next year? It's going to be a pretty uh, tough road to hold. Can they they continue 
to sustain the success, they're going to cannibalize each other. I mean, that's going to go without saying. These teams are going to have to play one another. And when they do, you're going to see the cream rise to the top. I still see USC as a top five team, a legitimate national uh, championship contender. But you got teams like Washington and Utah who are sneaky good and could throw a roadblock in the USC's uh, March to a Pac-12 title. With most of the teams about to leave and last one out, turn off the lights. But you still got Oregon State and Washington State who are going, you know what? Y'all can leave. We'll stay in the Pac-12 and build it back up with other newcomers. Could you see San Diego State, Boise State, some of these other high mid-majors from the Mountain West jump to the Pac-12 and make that a still a stronger Power 5 conference? They've been wanting to get into a Power Conference. Will that those teams move in with Oregon State and Washington State still being the standard bears of the Pac-12 and move forward? It's anybody's guess. It'll be interesting to watch. But I'm enjoying the football right now as it is. Now I am an admitted girl dad. I will say that. Let me move that out of the way. So you can see. I don't have to see my computer. Okay. Try that again. Now I am an admitted girl dad. Very proud one. Both of my girls. Um... Um, my pride and joy, as I said time and time again. Neither one of them are big in the sports, though. I just the way you would think me being a big sports guy that both of my girls would be as goofy in the sports as I am, but never really got that lucky. But WNBA is in its playoff mode. If it's September, it's playoff mode, and they had eight teams make the playoffs. First round is done, and we're looking at the WNBA semifinals. And the WNBA is hoping, praying, that they can get their their both their star teams in the WNBA Finals. We'll talk about the defending champion Las Vegas Aces and the New York Liberty. Now, the New York Liberty have been in the WNBA since its inception. But they have never won a WNBA title. They've gotten close a couple of times, getting... Uh, Shook off by the, the then-dominant Houston Comets. I missed the Houston Comets. That was a legit powerhouse team. They were one of the early WNBA dynasty teams. I mean, the uh, they had a, a roster that was just formidable and could run teams over. But they died out. They went they went out of, out of, out of, a, out of commission, which I think is sad. But you now have the Las Vegas Aces. A team that is legitimately trying to stake its claim as the next dominant team of the WNBA. Becky Hammond's squad is, she's cut from Pop's cloth. One of those stoic, don't say much, but the team is always prepared, always ready to go. They went 34-6 and six this year. By far and by, far and by, by and far the best team in the WNBA. Now, the New York Liberty, again, they've been up, they've been down, they've been mediocre, but this year, they went 32-8. Second best in the WNBA, tops in the Eastern Conference. Now, both teams still have uh, an opponent in front of them before they get to a dream WNBA Finals. The Aces, they brushed, across, they brushed aside the Chicago Sky in, a, in just two games, in two, two, game, two out of three sweep. 
Now they face the Dallas Wings. They beat three. They beat them three out of four times this year. Now the Aces begin and end with Ija Wilson. She is the Defensive Player of the Year, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Many people think she might win MVP again. Brilliant cornerstone, a terror on defense. And she leads the team with, with a 22.8 point game average. But if you sleep on the Aces perimeter game, yeah, that's your own fault. You do that at your own risk. Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum, those are all legitimate all-stars in their own right. You put them on a single team, they will be stars of that particular team. But you put them all together with I.J. Wilson, do you really wonder why, why the Aces went 34-6 and six and legitimately look to repeat as WNBA champions? But going against the Dallas Wings, a tough squad in their self. They've got rebounding. They can push the tempo. And if they can challenge those perimeter game of the Aces, they can give them a, a, a five-game run. I still think the Aces can push past them and get to the WNBA Finals. Now, in the other WNBA semifinals, you have the Liberty taking on the Connecticut Sun. Now, the Liberty got rid of the Mystics real quick. The Sun had trouble with the Minnesota Lynx. Now, that's a team that's always been tough in the playoffs. Took them to the third game, but managed to escape the target center with a 15-point with a, a win. Now, the Sun could legitimately give the Liberty a hard way to go. I still think that you have the Killer Breeze. See what I did there? Uh, 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 Sabrina Ionescu and Brianna Stewart. Those are, that's a devastating one-two punch for the Liberty. They, now the Sun play good defense, hella good defense, and they're tough on the board. But I still think that the Killer Breezes are a little too much for the Sun. And I think they'll push past them in four or five games to set up. And I'm hoping I'm not jinxing it, knock on wood, that I'm not jinxing it, that we would have a Vegas-New York final. The defending champion with one of the fast-rising teams in the WNBA trying to take their crown. That's something. Keep your fingers crossed and stay tuned because I will have more updates on the WNBA. I'm not, I don't discriminate. The ladies play just as well as the men, and I think they should give their, their proper due in that. Let's take a timeout. Come back with week three of the NFL picks. I gotta get better. I've had two mediocre weeks, and I gotta get put one week together where I can get all my picks right before we start hitting the buys. Sports from the Liverpool comes back at you after this. Is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, you need us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans and retired discounts are available. Visit us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. Sports from the Hoodwood, the internet's premier destination for no, no. 
nonsense commentary, thorough analysis, and logical insight on the world of sports. Now here's the man that Wikipedia and Google call for sports fact checks, your host, KJ Green. You're back in the Lookwood. My name is KJ Green, and let's get into the picks for week three in the NFL. Last week, as I have been bitterly complaining all week, has been, was another mediocre week. But, oh well, it's not a losing week, so I'll take my blessings where I can get them. I did correctly pick the Thursday night winner, San Francisco beating the New York Giants. Why the New York Giants continue to be on primetime TV, I have no idea. But that's neither here nor there. Let's get into the week three picks. The odds being provided by ESPN for entertainment and comparison purposes only. I tell you this only because if you bet the lines and lose, don't look at me. Look at your bookie with your checkbook and or debit card at the ready and pay off if you lose. Leave me out of it. Let's start out with the games of Sunday, September 24th. This is a Fox doubleheader weekend. As always, check your local listings for the games and times in your area. And of course, you can do no harm by checking 506 Sports. They have a wonderful comprehensive map of the uh, games that are being played here in your area. I'm kind of annoyed that I have to watch the Packers again instead of the Vikings. But that's neither here nor there. Sooner or later, I'm going to get my Sunday ticket and be done with it. Anyway, let's start out with the games. We'll start out with the 1-1 Colts taking on the 2-0 Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Ravens are 7.5 point favorites. Last week, Colts defeated the Texans 31-20, while the Ravens defeated the Bengals 27-24. And the fast fact is the Ravens have only allowed 23 yards and 0 First downs in the first quarter so far this season. Now, the Colts have surprised a lot of people, me included, with a solid win on the road in Houston. Anthony Richardson played decently and gives that squad a real glimpse of his potential. Now, the learning curve goes way, way up. When this roadie in Baltimore, the Ravens toyed with the Bengals in Cincinnati and held on for a crucial division to win. The Colts are growing, to be sure, but as my mom used to say to me when I was a teenager thinking I was doing big things, you ain't grown yet. The pick is Baltimore. Next on the docket, we have the 1-1 Titans taking on the 1-1 Browns at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Browns are three and a half point favorites. Last week, the Titans defeated the Chargers 27-24 in overtime, while the Browns lost to the Steelers 26-22. Now, the fast fact is, in eight starts for the Browns, quarterback Deshaun Watson is 4-4 with nine TDs and seven interceptions. Some savior. Now, the Titans look decent in outdueling the Chargers in overtime to win their home opener. They traveled to Cleveland to face Browns team that is reeling from the devastating injury to Nick Chubb and hopes old friend Kareem Hunt can come back and pick up slack in his stead. The Titans know what it's like to be without their ace as they've lived without the devastating running of Derrick Henry here and there, but he is ready to play for the visitors as it stands. I don't think that this will be the case as already reeling Browns. I've lost my trust in them real fast. I think the Titans can grind out a win. The pick here is Tennessee. Next on the docket, we have the 1-1 Bills taking on the 2-0 Commanders at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. 1 o'clock kickoff on Fox. The Bills are 6.5-point favorites. Last week, the Bills defeated the Raiders 38-10, while the Commanders defeated the Broncos 37-35. The fast fact here is the Bills have allowed 26 first downs, second fewest in the NFL. 
Now, the Bills bounce back strong with the Raiders in their home opener, and now they head to the nation's capital to battle Commander's team that has a pair of narrow wins to start the season, a pair of two-point wins to be exact. Rumors of Josh Allen's demise have been greatly exaggerated as he rebounded from a poor Week 1 performance to put up exemplary numbers. The Commanders have been quite fortunate to face a pair of teams that really lack closing ability and are 2-0, but I don't think they'll have that issue this week as the Bills look a lot better than they initially led, led on. And I think the Commanders will crumble facing a legitimate squad. The pick here is Buffalo. Next on the docket, we have the 0-2 Chargers taking on the 0-2 Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. 1 o'clock kickoff on Fox. The Vikings are favored by a single point. Last week, the Chargers lost to the Titans 27-24 in overtime, while the Vikings lost to the Eagles 34-28. Fast fact is the Vikings last year were 11-1, playoffs included, in one-score games. They are already 0-2 in the same category this season. Battle of two disappointing teams that made the playoffs is on tap here. The Chargers keep finding exciting and creative ways to lose high-scoring games and head to the Great White North to face a team equally struggling in the Vikings, whose two losses are by three and six points and are very deceptive because I think they've got beat a lot worse than was shown on the scoreboard. The Vikes hope to be boosted by the acquisition of Cam Akers from the Rams to jumpstart their anemic running game. I don't trust either of these squads, to be honest, but I'm going to keep going down with the ship with my favorite squad. I know, I know, I'm a homer, whatever. I think that they're due for a win, though I have the feeling they're going to make, me, make it a lot harder than it should be. The pick is Minnesota. Next on the docket, we have the 0-2 Patriots taking on the 1-1 Jets at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. 1 o'clock kickoff on CBS. The Patriots are 2.5-point favorites. Last week, the Patriots lost to the Dolphins 24-17, while the Jets lost to the Cowboys 30-10. Fast fact is the Jets have lost 14 straight games to the Patriots. It's a long losing streak. As bad as 0-2, is that what the past record suggests? Hmm. Are the Jets really that hopeless at 1-1? One one? These are the questions to be found out. If life with Belichick... I'm sorry. That was, I was going my soap opera voice. That sounds like a bad soap opera. And that's what it is with both teams. The problem is, is that's real life for both squads. The Pats can't get a game to break their way as they drop a pair of home start games to start the season. Something that was once thought unthinkable in, for a Belichick coach squad. Heading to Goff in the face of a team that usually bully is usually the best timing. The Jets, meanwhile, can't get out of their own way as they look punchless as getting thumped when they got thumped by Dallas. Had the Jets had the services of Aaron Rodgers, I'd give them a better of a puncher's chance. To break the streak, now, no chance. The pick here is New England. Next on the docket, we have the 0-2 Broncos taking on the 2-0 Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Dolphins are 6.5-point favorites. Last week, the Broncos lost to the Commanders 37-35, while the Dolphins defeated the Patriots 24-17. Fast fact is the, the Dolphins are 8-1 all-time against the Broncos at home, but the visitors have won three of the past four meetings overall. Now, the Broncos are another team that seem to find themselves in new and creative ways to blow winnable games. Roaring out to a serious lead at home against the Commanders last week, only to fall asleep at the switch and gaffle up another lead and the game. 
Sean Payton keeps looking for answers, but the offense is still inconsistent. The defense still suspect, and facing a Dolphins team brimming with confidence is not the answer. The Finns played shaky at times against the Pats on the road, but managed to grind out a win. I think the Dolphins at home are what I thought the Broncos were going to be at home. Tough, resilient, and miserable for the opposing team. Broncos are in serious trouble of an 0-3 start. The pick here is Miami. Next on the docket, we have the 2-0 Falcons taking on the 1-1 Lions. At Ford Field in Detroit, 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox, the Lions are three-point favorites. Last week, the Falcons defeated the Packers 25-24, while the Lions lost to the Seahawks in overtime 37-31. Fast fact here is in the Falcons' two wins, they have outscored their opponents 27 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Now this is an interesting game. The Falcons raised a lot of eyebrows with a gritty win over the Packers at home and get their first real road test in Detroit. Now, Detroit is a team that's still fighting inconsistently late. As they keep failing to put away good teams. They failed. They let the Seahawks get away with a winnable game in overtime, and they went the wrong end of their decision. I like the fact that the Falcons' Desmond Ritter is quietly playing no-frills, mistake-free football. And Jared Goff is putting up seriously solid numbers on for his part for the Lions. This is a game that's too close to call. But I'll flip a coin and say the home team pulls a tight one out. The pick here is Detroit. Next on the docket, we have the 2-0 Saints. Taking on the 1-1 Packers at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. 1 o'clock kickoff on Fox. The Packers are two-point favorites. Last week, the Saints defeated the Panthers 20-17, while the Packers lost to the Falcons 25-24. Fast fact here is that the Saints have allowed 20 or fewer points in each of their last 10 games, the longest current active streak of any NFL team. Now, the Saints have grounded out a pair of tight wins and head to the frozen tundra. They might be frozen in September, you never know. Of Lambeau Fields, take on the Packers squad, got caught in the wrong end of a tight game in Atlanta. Are the Saints real or a team that got lucky twice? It's anybody's call. They will prove their bones if they can get a win in Green Bay, but I have a feeling that the Pack will rebound at home. The pick is Green Bay. Let's take a timeout, come back with the rest of the NFL Week 3 docket. Sports from the Hollywood rolls on after this. I'm actor Rajim A. Gross. Some of the studios would like to scan our images and only pay us for one day's worth of work and be able to use our likenesses, our voices, our mannerisms as computer-generated characters, not only in the movie that we might be filming in, but in all future films as well. That's not fair. And I think the SAG board members that are fighting for my rights as an actor to work on a union film. So I just want to say standing in complete solidarity with everyone. Thank you.
you're tuned in to Sports from the Hoodwood, the internet's foremost location for the most honest insight, thorough analysis, and unfiltered opinion on the world of sports. Now, once again, here's the man of the hour, After Hours, your host, KJ Green. You are back in the Hoodwood. My name's KJ Green, and let's continue with the week. Three NFL picks next on the docket is the 0-2 Texans taking on the 1-1 Jaguars at Everbank Stadium in Jacksonville, 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Jaguars are nine-point favorites. Last week, the Texans lost to the Colts 31-20, while the Jaguars lost to the Chiefs 17-9. Fast fact here is the Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud has already been sacked an NFL high 11 times this season. Now, the Texans struggled against a beatable opponent, losing to the Colts and their home opener. And the curve gets much steeper facing a Jaguars team that lost an equally sloppy but winnable game against the Chiefs. Plain and simple, I think the Jags get the bounce back when they need at home against a Texans team that is still trying to figure it all out. Jacks need this win very badly to keep pacing AFC South. The pick here is Jacksonville. Next on the docket, we have the 0-2 Panthers taking on the 1-1 Seahawks at Lumen Field in Seattle. 4-05 kickoff on CBS. The Seahawks are 5.5-point favorites. Last week, the Panthers defeated the Saints 20-17, while the Seahawks defeated the Lions 37-31 in overtime. Fast fact is Panthers quarterback Andy Dalton, he's still in this league. Better believe it. He is making his start for his fifth different team in five straight seasons playing for Cincinnati, Dallas, Chicago, and New Orleans before landing now in Charlotte. The Panthers lost a tough home opener to a bitter divisional rival. Now they have to go cross-country on a short week to face a rejuvenated Seahawks team fresh off of a shocking win at Detroit. Even with the veteran Andy Dalton plugged in, I don't think that these young Panthers are anywhere near ready to face the wall of noise that is the Lumen Field 12th man. Plain and simple, the pick here is Seattle. Next on the docket, we have the 0-2 Bears taking on the 1-1 Chiefs at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. 425 kickoff on CBS. The Chiefs are 12.5 point favorites. Last week, the Bears lost to the Buccaneers 27-17, while the Chiefs defeated the Jaguars 17-9. Now, the, the fast fact here is that the Bears have a 12-game losing streak the longest current in the NFL. This is shaping up to be a potentially one-sided game. Bears are already infighting and their defensive coordinator quit, citing mental health. Maybe it was the prospect of having a game plan for a Chiefs offense who is aching to atone for their lackluster home opener and still trying to get their offense in gear after a sluggish performance last week at Jacksonville. Either way, it's shaping up to be a brutal affair. I was tempted, but I'll pass pick here is Kansas City. Next on the docket is the 2-0 Cowboys at the 0-2 Cardinals. Game being played at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. 425 kickoff on Fox. The Cowboys are 12-point favorites. Last week, the Cowboys defeated the Jets 30-10, while the Cardinals lost to the Giants 31-28. Fast fact is Cowboys are the fifth team in the Super Bowl era to score 70 or more points while allowing 10 or fewer points in their first two games. Folks have scored exactly 70 while allowing exactly 10. Go figure. 
Now the Pokes walking tall after slapping around another Gotham squad as they throttle an overmatched Jets team in their home opener, they head to the Desert Southwest to face a Cards team that played better than expected but still have no wins to show for it. The problem here is that the Pokes are looking like the real deal while Cards having the slightest inkling on how to keep up. This game won't be pretty. Pick here is Dallas. That's the Hoodwood Lock of the Week. Sunday night game is the 1-1 Steelers taking on the 1-1 Raiders at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. 8-20 kickoff on NBC. The Raiders are 2.5 point favorites. Last week, Steelers defeated the Browns 26-22, while the Raiders lost to the Bills 38-10. Fast fact is the Steelers' last win against the Raiders outside of Pittsburgh was in 1995. The Steelers are a tough team figure, to be sure, folding in against a real team like the 49ers, but when in doubt, bring the Browns out to get their first win. The Raiders pulled out a tight win in Denver before getting throttled in Buffalo, so they come home for their first home game. Both teams are models of inconsistency, and I really can't trust either one of them. Take a chance and take the home team. Likely regret it. The pick here is Las Vegas. So look at the Monday night game, shall we? The game's Monday, September 25th. First on the dock is the 2-0 Eagles taking on the 2-0 Buccaneers. At Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, 7-15 kickoff on ABC. The Eagles are five-point favorites. One programming note is that ABC has picked up the simulcast of Monday night football for the rest of the season, citing the writer's strike and lack of original programming. ABC abandoned Monday Night Football in 2005, citing low revenue and ratings. Now, nearly 20 years later, they're begging to get it back. Go figure. Anyway, last week, the Eagles defeated the Vikings 34-28, while the Buccaneers defeated the Bears 27-17. Fast fact here is the Eagles have allowed an NFL worst seven touchdown passes in their first two games. Now, the defending NFC champs have won their first two games by the slimmest of margins and will have their hands quite full with a young, aggressive Bucks team that has looked better than expected. I don't know if Baker Mayfield is ready to face in a defense as aggressive as the Eagles' front seven possesses. I do worry, though, that the Eagles will have trouble with the solid core of receivers that the Bucks possess. But I do think that Jalen Hurts is the real difference. And he will. Uh, the Bucks will not be able to face a quarterback who will make dumb mistakes this time around. The pick here is Philadelphia. Finally, we have the 1-1 Rams taking on the 0-2 Bengals at Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. 8-15 kickoff on ESPN and, ES and uh, ESPN+. Plus. The Bengals are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Last week, the Rams lost to the 49ers 30-23, while the Bengals lost to the Ravens 27-24. The fast fact here is the Bengals' 27 points overall this season is in a three-way tie for worse than the NFL, tied with the Panthers and Raiders. The Rams are better than people think, as they gave the 49ers a team that dominated them as of late a tough go before falling in their home opener. They face a team in the Bengals who are still trying to figure things out and are looking like a team basically still in preseason mode. Joe Burrow is still trying to get past his lingering calf problems and is doubtful or questionable for this game. And as much as I like this team, they have forfeited my trust in them. Add that the Bengals usually play pretty badly in primetime games, and this makes my trust in them even thinner. Really hate to do this, but the Hoodwood upset of the week is going to be the Los Angeles Rams. And there you have it. 
Also on the docket for the Thursday game, we have the Lions and Packers at Lambeau Field, 8-15 on Amazon Prime. Line is even. The pick here is Green Bay for the Thursday night game. And again, there you have it. Last week, we went 9-7. We dropped correct with upset incorrect. Overall, 17-15, 2 on the locks, 0-2 on the upsets. Let's take our final timeout come back with the Hoodwood Hot Five. Fat dap, head slap, and the final word from the wood. Sports from Hoodwood rolls down the home stretch after this. Hi, everyone. I'm KJ Green. If you're looking to reach a broad audience, you'll have advertising dollars for the Advertising right here in the Hoodwood. If you need spots created as well, Black Bay Production is advising. Drive sales and get results. You send your inquiries to ads at BlackBandProductions.com. BlackBandProductions.com. with the Hoodwood Hot 5, which is the college football top 5, in my expert opinion. Not a word from you, Snuffy. I don't want to hear it. You got a board? Be happy with that. Anyway, it isn't like the Coley Matrix or whatever AFCA coaches poll or anything. It's just the top 5 teams I think are the best in the country. They don't necessarily jibe up with the AP or the coaches top 5. But the, the five teams I think are best in the country. No change in the Hoodwood Hot Five, top five this week. We'll just run down the five best teams as I have them selected from five to one. Our number five team is the Florida State Seminoles. They are 3-0. They remain at number five after defeating Boston College 31-29. Their next game is at Clemson. That was one time a big game, but now that Clemson isn't ranked or they're ranked kind of low, eh, it's kind of a... Uh, mediocre game, but I think it'll be a good game nonetheless. Our number four team is Texas Longhorns. They are also 3-0, ranked number four last week, ranked number four this week. They defeated Wyoming 31-10 last week. Their next game is at Baylor. Our number three team is USC, who remain at the number three spot. They were on a bye last week, and next, this coming week, they will take on the Arizona State Sun Devils in Tempe. Our number two team is the Michigan Wolverines. They remain at number two after defeating Bowling Green 31-6. They are 3-0, and their next game is against Rutgers. They're fourth of four home games, and they will be welcoming back their head coach, Jim Harbaugh, who has been serving a three-game suspension. Our number one team remaining at number one last week, this week, is Georgia. They are 3-0 after defeating South Carolina 24-14 to start SEC play. Their next game, they go back out of conference for a non-con game against UAB. And there you have it. That's my hot five. What's yours?
Now let's look at our fat dap and head slap of the week. Now the fat dap goes to someone that is got to do something pretty big for me to give them dap because I'm no fan of the University of Louisville, but you got to give it up to them for this. Louisville Metro Police, according to Associated Press report, thanked Cardinals football players on social media on Thursday for a quote coming to the rescue by helping write a flipped vehicle that was in an accident this week near the LNN Stadium home field. Now, a video posted by LMPD's verified account on Twitter slash X shows a vehicle traveling through the intersection of Central and Floyd Avenues by the stadium's southeast corner on Monday afternoon. The video blurs the crash, but shows at least five Cardinal players and another motorist helping to flip the wrecked vehicle from the driver's side back onto its wheels before first responders arrive. The driver suffered minor injuries in the accident, but will be okay. The, LMN, the LMPD video stated it did not identify the Louisville players who helped in the rescue, although football spokesperson Rocco Gasparro said junior wide receiver Jaden Thompson, a former Cincinnati transfer, was one of them. The LMPD video began with the throwback Cardinals football logo and ended with graphic that said, Teamwork makes the dream work. Louisville football retweeted the video and posted proud of our guys and thankful everyone is okay. Fat dap to the Louisville players who were heads up in a potentially devastating situation to help make something right. Our our head slap of the week <laughs> goes to Darnell Taylor of the Seattle Seahawks. Now, as you can see in the video here, Taylor blows up Jared Goff on what looks like a blown protection by the Lions in last week's game against the Seahawks. But there was one small problem. It wasn't a sack. Goff had handed the ball off and done the play fakes like he had still had the ball. He'd done it so well, Taylor thought he had a free and clear hit on Goff, blew him up, and then celebrated like he got a sack. But instead, he got a 15-yard penalty for unnecessary roughness. Head slap to Darnell Taylor of the Seahawks. <laughs> you got the okey-doke and didn't know you even got fooled. And now, without much further ado, let's go to the final word from the wood. I love football. I love watching it. And I love both the college and the pro game. I love watching my beloved alma mater, University of Cincinnati and have been a fervent fan of the Minnesota Vikings for decades. Both teams have given me uh, moments of immense joy. When the Bearcats won their conference uh, championship in 2021, I was the happiest I'd ever been and was blessed to have been there to witness it live. I nearly leapt through the ceiling watching the Mir Minneapolis Miracle in January of 2018. Watching replays of both events are my go-tos when I'm down and need something to instantly smile at. One of the fun things to do at sporting events is razz the opponents and the fans of the opposing team. It's funny when you are the visiting team and take static from the home crowd. For example, I am a Minnesota Twins fan, and by sheer luck of the schedule, not only did the Minnesota Twins play the Cincinnati Reds at home at Great American Ballpark, which is close to the Hoodwood, they played them on my birthday. How lucky is that? 
I took the game in on a sunny Wednesday afternoon and enjoyed the fact that the Twins rallied late to win 5-3 and are closing in on another AL Central crown. I wore Twins at the Great American Ballpark in downtown Cincinnati and other than a few sidelong glances, I got no razzing from the Reds fans all, all together, except for the vendor that said he wasn't going to serve me because I was wearing a Twins hat. But it was good-natured razzing, and I didn't really mind it. I laughed, and I dapped up a few Twins fans coming and going, but all in all, there was no real hostility. Two years ago, at the start of the 2021 season, the Bengals' opening game uh, that season was against the Vikings at then moniker Paul Brown Stadium. Now, the move was a little more hostile. I was openly cursed at by Bengal fans, and while there were a good number of Vikings fans at the game, the move was a little more provincial and tribal. The fans sneered at me, and I get yelled, F the Vikings, a few times before, during, and after the game. The Vikings lost that game in overtime, and I was really bummed, but I enjoyed watching my Vikes play in person, something that I really don't get to do because the Vikings only come to the Cincinnati area once every eight years. But the hostility was still very apparent at me. I was wearing my Adrian Peterson jersey, and it was still very real and apparent. I was never worried it was going to be accosted. And there were a few bold souls that you know, were liquored up, fans that seemed like they wanted to pick a fight. But I ignored them. Me and my homie Daryl walked out of the stadium and headed back to his car with no further incident. Daryl, for his part, has no rooting interest. He's an Eagles fan, but he, like me, loves the game. We weren't worried about anything coming to blows, but we knew we could defend ourselves if need be. This all leads up to my point. At the Dolphins-Patriots game just this past Sunday, a fan of the Patriots and a Dolphins fan got into an altercation. The Patriots fan, 53-year-old Dale Mooney, was punched in the head, fell unconscious, and later died at the scene. In the aftermath, his distraught wife asked rhetorically, quote, why can't it just be in fun? Why can't people just have fun at the games? End quote. I get being passionate about your team. I get razzing the other team's fans. I've done it and have had it done to me. What I don't get is why does it ever have to come to blows? What leads someone to strike another to the point to hurt them fatally? What's the point of all this? These teams will go on with or without people feeling like they have to quote unquote come to blows in defense of their team. There have been numerous reports around the country about feel about people getting jumped by other uh, other people who are fans of other teams. Win or lose, this is about as senseless as the definition will allow. Fan is short for fanatic. And to a point, I understand being a fanatic. Many people call me a fanatic for my Bearcats and my Vikings. I get wanting to rag on the other side. I dated a Packers fan for a while. And we got to the point where we were damn near at daggers drawn about our teams. But sooner or later, you have to realize it's not life or death. It never is. I've often referred to the thinking of, quote, yes, I will rag on your team and you on mine. But at the end of the day, we'll have a cold one together and wish each other well going forward. Last weekend, I was devastated that my beloved Bearcats lost to local adversary Miami of Ohio. It was the first loss to them in 18 years. There were a number of Miami fans that ragged on me, some as I left the Nippert Stadium with my homie Mel, and she remarked to me that I took the loss better than I would have when I was younger. She said, quote, you've been ready to fight some of these people back in the day. And she was right. 
my age has made me a little bit more sober. And the only problem is that not everyone gets to that soberness. Mooney was two years older than me and died a senseless death. Being a fan more often than not is joy. It's camaraderie with other like-minded rooters. It's the playful verbal jousting with the opposing fans. But it should never come to violence. Ever. That's not fandom. That's lunacy. And that is the final word from the wood. Now with music soon coming up in the background, you know that means that your time here in the Hoodwood is just about done. And I thank you so much for your visit again this week. Now the show's email is kjgreen at sportsfromthehoodwood.com. Please send me emails regarding show topics that you'd like to hear about, both past and future. Questions, comments on the show, both praise and criticism. I welcome your correspondence and I'll try to get back to you in a timely manner. Now, the show's website is sportswomenhoodwood.com. Now, that catalog of the show gave back 11 years in both audio and video forms. Check that out. There are shows that you may have missed. You can join the debate on the Sportswomenhoodwood Facebook page. We also have a video podcast simulcast, as well as other topics, funny stuff I find on the web, plenty of great sports debate, and lots more. I do post often and respond to member posts frequently. Now, the video versions are on YouTube. Now, you can please, if you could, smash that subscribe button, hit that like button, more great content for you. The link to the podcast is also on the show's X feed. I keep saying we're going to move to Tribal. We're making that move here soon. It's just a matter of logistics. It will be also at Goodwood Sports. You can find a host of bunch of interesting stuff there, stuff that I find. You can correspond with the show, and we do correspond back in a time. Like and follow there as well. The show's audio version is on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Apple, and a host of other podcast platforms and providers. All of them find in their own writer. If the Hoodwood is not on your favorite, please ask me. So drop me a line and I will do what I can to get posted on your favorite platform. Special assistance from Rage Pictures is always appreciated. They help with website development and post-production. And ladies and gentlemen, that's it from the hook with. Until next time, fellow sports fans, I'm KJ Green. Sports from the Hoodwood is a Black Bandit Productions and Enterprises presentation of a 551 Audio and Films production.